are listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the FCF Leadership Podcast. Here we are in our fourth episode talking about Enneagrams. Now, if you haven't listened to the first two episodes, Knowing the Enneagram and my interview with Dr. Diana Sells, stop listening and watching right now. Just stop. Go and listen to those two episodes. They will help you understand Enneagrams and the importance personality assessments have in our everyday life, but especially with ministry. Our goal with this podcast is to help you lead through personality traits. We have chosen to focus on one specific negative characteristic for each Enneagram, but it's also a characteristic that most of us would struggle with. To talk about that with me today is Laura Bronson. Hello. Hello. Thanks for joining me. Happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Laura is a wife, mother, and grandmother. She had worked in upper management with a retail grocery store for 20 years before going back to school and earned an MBA and also graduated from Bible school. She is taught as a college adjunct instructor teaching business. I can say that word, adjunct. Adjunct. That's that's a difficult (laughs) word. (laughs) She has worked as a church admin and bookkeeper for 10 years and is now working here at FCF International as a finance manager and PHM admin and international administrator. (laughs) We wear lots of hats here. (laughs) So, Laura. Yes. To get to know you a little bit better, I'm going to ask you just some fun questions. Okay. okay? I know the answer to some of these questions, but they may not know. All right. Okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Flavored creamer or regular creamer? No flavor. Do you like flavored coffee? Uh, no. Mm-hmm. Girl after my own heart. Okay. Um, I don't know the answer to this. Twizzlers or red vines? Red vines all the way. <gasps> you California girl. That's right. Red vines all the way. <laughs> Okay. Beach or mountains? Ooh, used to be beach when I lived in California, but now I'd rather go to the mountains. Mountains. Okay. I like the sound of the river, running water. Oh, yeah. The smell of pine trees. That's yeah. good. That's good for the soul. It is good for the soul. Mm-hmm. Also, I find that in the mountains, it can be more quiet than when you're on a beach because there's typically tons of people on beaches. I agree. Even though you have the sound of the waves... You have the sound of people too, but screaming children. I have yeah. three kids, so yeah. no matter where I go, yeah, I hear noise. screaming children. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the reason Laura is with me today is she is a two. Now, before you worked at FCF, were you familiar with Enneagrams? No, I was not. Were you familiar with personality assessments? Yes, at all? absolutely. Did they do them at Albertsons? We did do them at Albertsons. We did a lot of uh, leadership training. Mm. Uh, We did a lot of 360 feedback training. And um, we learned how to, you know, if you have to manage or lead people, you need to know how to deal with different personality types. I'm finding this so interesting. I'm seeing it more in the corporate world than in the ministry realm. Um, But I think we're seeing a huge shift in that currently. I know a lot of... Uh, churches are doing a huge shift into their strengths and weaknesses, knowing their personality traits, and making sure a person is in the right position for their personality type. I Yeah, I agree, because if you are not, there's going to be a lot of conflict. There's going to be a lot of self-doubt, really, because you're not doing what you should be doing or performing the way you think that you should be performing based on your personality type, because yeah. every personality type has a 
level of performance yes. attached to it, I think. Absolutely. Totally agree. So today we are going to focus on the two, which is the helper. At their best, twos are generous in their efforts to love and care for others. They are welcoming, empathetic, and deeply interpersonal. However, the one characteristic we will focus on today is pride. You may be thinking, how could a helper be prideful? And actually, I had this conversation with Laura earlier. But the pride of a two comes into play when they assume that everyone is more needy than they are, and they alone know what's best. Ouch. Is, does that, yeah, <laughs> does that hurt? It does hurt because it's true. Um, oh. It is true. It's absolutely 100% true because everybody comes first. And mm. so I don't need anything. I'm fine. That is really, really honestly pride. Yikes. And, and so then you don't help yourself. Right. Then you end up playing a martyr kind of mm, yes. personality type thing because... I'm going to put you before me, and then some. at some point you can get that self-pity, like, well, nobody cares for me, nobody's helping me, nobody's safe. But you've placed yourself in that position Yeah. of, I don't need anything, I don't need any help, I can do this all on my own. Okay, so that cuts out people, and not only people, Holy Ghost, God, Jesus, wow. anybody to help you, and that's honest. That's huge. It's huge. Wow, wow, wow. So I lived a long time kind of like that. Yeah. So now my one question with you, and I questioned this from the beginning when I found out you were two, is uh, Laura has a, her youngest daughter, Jamie. Um, what, what is the... It's called spinal muscular atrophy, and she's blind. So she needs a lot of help a lot throughout of care. the day. Uh -huh. Now, my question is... Are you a natural two, or were you forced into a two? I think I was a natural nine two, but okay, more, yeah, yeah, yeah. more the other that. way. But I've always been the mom, if you mm -hmm. will, no matter where I was working or whatever, which could also be a problem. Mm. Just saying. <laughs> Caretaker. Caretaker, yeah. making sure everybody's taken care of, and then what happens is... You get burned out. You get shoved to the side. And you don't care. finish your work because you're working on other people's stuff. Oh, so there's a balance there with, with wanting to help and take care of people. That's but with um, a, the Jamie, my daughter, it's, I don't know, it was not hard. To it was step. very easy for you mm -hmm. to pick up the reins. Right. And, and just be the caretaker. I mean, it just came natural to me. That's awesome. And Jamie is 20. Eight. She's 28? She just turned 28. Stop it. <laughs> Goodness gracious. And she is actually, uh, I think she's very capable of doing a lot of things given all of her setbacks. Correct. She is. So she's it's very... not like she's totally dependent on you. Right. She just needs more care. Yeah, she needs a little bit more care. Yep. She's a very independent person. She is, and she wants to do things her own on her own. I love that. Yeah. Strong will. Way to go, Jamie. Okay, so... Right now, we're going to take a second and listen to Pastor Patrick Norris and uh, Dr. Todd Bowman to hear what they have to say about pride from a theological standpoint and a biblical standpoint. So the second one's on pride. Todd, talk to us about the mind-brain part of pride. Yeah, the idea of ego comes to mind with pride, and there's probably a healthy part to that, like having a consistent sense of self. 
uh, that sticks up for oneself, that has healthy drives and urges and motivations, gets the needs that we have met, needs for safety, needs for belonging, needs for connection, for food when we're young, that, that the, the origins of pride is a really healthy, differentiated self, a self that is understood to be different than the, the parent, you know, the parent system, the sibling system. And then out of that, there becomes this inflation. So pride is really this overgrown or overstated sense of importance within that sense of self. Oftentimes it originates out of shame or out of a space where there was deprivation. Needs weren't met in a fully healthy way. Uh, so when we think about pride, we have to think of it as something good that's been overdone or inflated too large, but really its roots are in the lack of healthy needs being met for that individual uh, or some uh, need to aggrandize, some need to make the self bigger in a protective way because there's shame or pain or some wound underneath the psychological surface. That's pretty good. That's interesting. It's interesting to hear these Because things. the shame word yeah. of having a child with a disability, yeah. there became a lot of shame within the word of faith uh, because you're... Yeah. Because it's like, oh, what did you do to cause your... Right, you didn't have it, enough faith for you to have a healthy child. Right, and stuff like that. So there's a lot of shame in that. Mm, wow. So there was, there, was that, there was that to overcome. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Okay, let's just dissect that for a second. Okay. The psychological part of that. He said... Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm just, just like, like reeling oh. from it. Okay, so he talks a lot about pride having like roots kind of in our childhood of needs not met. And now I know that you lost your mother at a young age. Correct. Now I'm not saying your needs weren't met with your mother or your father, but do you think that possibly the helper in you, you felt at a young age to take over responsibility because you lost her at a young age? Absolutely, especially being the oldest. Oh, you were the oldest. So I was the oldest. And so um, my dad being a police officer, you know, there was that, mm -hmm. you know, unsureness of yeah. a police officer as a father. Um, and then I had three sisters at home. And I don't know, you just kind of pick it up. I cooked the dinners. I made sure the house was yeah. clean, went to school, you know, and stuff like that. So it's not like my dad wasn't there to help. But right. He did what he, he could. He did what he could, you know, as he could. And then... Um, our grandparents didn't live close. Mm. So it was just, you know, our family unit, period. Yeah. So, yeah, there was there was that, yeah. And um, then that caused a little bit of rebellion as I got older. Oh, okay. Because, you know, you're not having a childhood and then you... All of a sudden... You miss something and then you have a little bit of a, re a rebellion time before, you know... It, you feel like you're almost owed this. Yes. Like, I deserve this. I exactly. can have this. I've taken care of everybody else. Do For you think that's, like, um, applicable as an adult? Do you ever get to the point where you're so – you get so tired of taking care of everyone else and not taking care of yourself that you're just like, peace, I'm done? Absolutely. Now, I have to say I've grown past that. Yeah. Because now, you know, for the last few years, you you recognize it and you're going, you know what? There's healthy. There's healthy in everything. Mm -hmm. So it's okay to say, you know what? I need a me day. You know what? I need five minutes before I help you with that. Can you do I'm just going to take a, take a break. And um, you know what? I just need to stop. 
we're going to say no, which is an anointed word of God. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> yes, it is. As a caretaker and a two, it is okay to say no. no. I'm, I'm, I cannot do that right now, but, you know, thanks for asking. So growing past that, and the only way you do that is by learning yeah. that it's okay and not feeling guilty about putting Guilt. everybody, which is a form of pride shame. and shame. Absolutely. So it, it's all intertwined. Guilt. It's terrible. Ah. Yeah, because, you know, God is not a God of combination. Yeah. He, mm-hmm. And he is a God of balance, and our life should have balance. And That's right. as a caretaker, if somebody's trying to pull on you more than they should and trying to cause that, there has to be a boundary drawn. And so, so as a leader, I want to hear from you if you have someone that is pulling on you, needing your help, needing you to help them with something to the point where you feel like it's enabling them. Okay, um, I would refer not to anything current, but um, when I was with uh, in leadership in a grocery store to say, the what we I would do is if somebody's pulling on me to do more for them, I would turn around and ask questions mm. like, how would we better do this if we were doing it together or alone? And so get them to create and think of solutions Critical on thinking. them on their own, and then they don't need to pull on you so much. So you're empowering them by removing yourself without them kind of knowing that you're doing that. I know that kind of makes doesn't make sense. No, but, it does. But asking questions or turning it around a little bit and making them think. Yeah. And, you know, that's what Dr. Radke instructs us, instructs us to do in Mac CEO is ask questions, dig deep, find those truth bomb questions that can make people stop needing you and start thinking, thinking for their, themselves. And you don't have to do it in an abrupt way. Right. It just, you know, ask questions. Yeah. You know, contemplative questions, not just in-your-face kind of stuff. So that's you leading as a two. Now, I want to hear you talk about somebody who you're leading and they are a two. You can see that they are taking care of everyone else and not themselves. Okay. They're not yes, saying no. They're not no. Seeing, saying no. Um, as a leader, you you have to go and talk to them and give them the power of no. In my yeah. opinion, you have to go and say it's okay to say no and step back, because if you are frazzled and you're going home, and you're not being able to be at home when you're at home, yeah, that is not okay. Yeah, and so um, and then looking to see how come the stuff is actually being put on them, is it actually being given to them, or presented to them, or are they taking it mm. and help them see the difference between I need you to do this or I'm taking this because I want to do it and help you. There is a difference. Yeah. So one thing that just popped in my mind is, as a two, do you struggle? Um, is there an inward struggle between your inner narrative and then being led by the Holy Spirit? Yes, there is. Because ours is help, help, help. But we are... It's, that's the, Holy good, the Holy Spirit can Spirit. instruct us to say no. no. Absolutely. And as a parent, I'm just going to bring it down to a parent. Yeah. I had to learn that I am not my children's Holy Ghost. Wow, yeah. As much, or my husband's, Mm. as much as I wanted to be. And I thought that I knew better because I can take care of you better because I have the know-how, the pride. I'm the mom. uh Uh-huh. I can do this for you. And um, you have to learn. Yeah. You're just not the Holy Ghost. And so that was a hard 
divide. I won't say hard because he's so loving and kind to us that um, you just have to stop. I mean, pause is a good thing. So when you're leading someone that you can say, see that they're struggling saying no, would there be some kind of encouragement of, um, you know, like empowering them to listen to the Holy Spirit, to stop your inner narrative and listen to the Holy Spirit? Or would that be condescending to them? I don't know if it would be condescending them, but because um, that's how I got help. People say, hey, are you, you know, what are you doing? Are we listening? I'm just, you know, generalizing it. But right. at, at the moment, it was good, you know, do you need to do this? Do you need to take on more responsibility? Do you need to volunteer one more place? Mm. And I don't think it was condescending. For me, it was like, hey, wake up. Mm. What are, what are we doing here? What's more important? And just putting your priorities on uh, what is the most important. And help, you know, if you allow people, I'm going to say this, if you allow people that you trust to speak into your life, listen. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so let's listen to Patrick, Patrick. Norris on uh, what he says it looks like biblically. Okay. <laughs> From a biblical perspective, I think about the counter, which is humility. The humility is the ability to say, God, I recognize you as my ultimate and final source. And in humility, I'm no longer striving to get or gain or somehow super achieve. I'm settled in the reality that I am loved by God. I'm loved in kindness and compassion towards me from me. And so in that framework, I'm now able to live a humble life. I don't have to be in a hyper survival state, which is what this overreach of pride has actually done. So the work of humility is simply saying, God, I'm humbling all of my urgent kind of uh, desires and desperations. I'm humbling that to the reality of relationship with you and what Jesus did in redemption. That is the purest form of humility. Well, that just kind of ties right on into what we were saying, isn't it? Yeah. Just recognizing that God is our source. He's so our source. And um, the Holy Spirit quickens us. And I I was reminded of that Bible verse. um, I'm sorry, I don't know the reference. You probably do. But if any of you lack wisdom, ask God for it. You know, as a two, I think that might be like something to stand on. It is totally. Just to because on. it's not that you're incapable. I actually find you the most capable of doing you know, she's like one of those people that can literally do anything. And but you have to stop and say, I can, but I won't. Correct. Yes. And um it is so freeing. I just yeah. have to tell you, um, letting the Holy Ghost lead you in what you're supposed to be doing, who you care for, how you care for them. It is freeing. Freeing. I, I want to ask this question. What is the most dangerous way to lead it to? Would it be oh. abusing the um, I can do it attitude? The most dangerous way to lead a two for me is condescending Mm. attitudes toward them or, um, I don't know, condescending is the right word, but 
derogatory, uh, manipulative. Yeah. You know, well, I wish somebody would do. Oh, yeah. Passive aggressive. Passive aggressive. That is the worst. I mean, that just. Mm -hmm. Well, no, because that works on (laughs) all of the the care things. And it's like, and it's um, once you can recognize people that are doing that, Mm -hmm. then it's easier to talk to them and say, why don't you approach that a different way? Or, you know, that's a little bit manipulative. What is Do it you that you actually want? say that I to absolutely, people? absolutely say that to people. Laura, I'm so happy for you. Because I've learned that it's not okay because, you know, if you wish, then, you know. I mean, I tell that to my kids all the time because they'll be like, oh, I wish I had that. I'm like, Are you asking for this right now? Correct. And Because so, if you're asking for it, here's how you ask. But if you're just saying, I wish one day I'll have this, like, yeah, yes. And I actually told Hugo last week, I said, put it on a vision board. <laughs> That's right. I do have a vision board. But as far as uh, grown-ups that would say, you know, and they may may or may not even know that's what they're doing. Right. I could either just ignore what they said and change the conversation. Yeah. Or I'll address it depending on what I'm supposed to do at that time. Because I try. I mean, I used to be the person that would just talk, talk, talk over people. Mm. And so now, just because I know what's better for them, not really. <laughs> but so now I try to pause. I'm going to just say, take that pause and yeah. listen. Because sometimes you're supposed to say something and sometimes you are just not. You and are you really good at pausing. I'm thinking back to a lot of our conversations. Laura is kind of my heart-to-heart person. If, I've, if I'm having a difficult time processing something, I'll talk to Laura about it. Because you do take that pause. You can tell that in that pause, she's talking to God briefly. Listening, Listening. and talking to God. Like, do I say anything? No. Or sometimes you're just, you just need to be the listener. And what is good about, for me, being a two is I can take those conversations and, and whatever process at that time, and then they go. So they're not something that I'm dwelling on anymore. Yeah. So I don't have to carry whatever mm-hmm. I'm helping somebody with, which is another thing that a two does sometimes is carry all mm-hmm. these other things, but we're not the carrier either. That's right. So, you know, God's good. God is good. And he made us all uh, special individually. And I'm just so grateful for that. There's no two people that are the same. There there was this song when I was in third grade. um, Variety is the spice of America. The pepper and salt, that's nice about America. No two people look the same. A different face, a different name. Anyway. That's You're welcome for that concert. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true. God made us different. He's That's a diverse right. God. He made us all to be individualistic and different. That's right. But look to Jesus for our example of the way we should live, the way we should love. And he sent us the Holy Spirit the Holy to be Spirit. led by him. Absolutely. Laura, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I am I really so enjoyed it. happy. That this took place. It is, it's, it was a great conversation. And man, the Holy Spirit really moved through you in a lot of that stuff because <laughs> oh, it was great. <laughs> Thank you. Well, thanks for joining us today on the FCF Leadership Podcast. And thanks again to Laura for joining me. Stick around because in two weeks, we will talk to John Michael Howell, who oh. is a three. 
about the Enneagram 3. Also, if you haven't done so already, make sure you like and subscribe to us on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify so you can get our uh, notifications of when new episodes are ready. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast. To learn more, go to fcf.org.